Move over, Snyder Cut, and take a hike, Endgame. It's time to give some shine to the OG superhero team. Welcome, everyone, to Rebooted, the podcast where we are recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to. This week, we're talking about the 1999 cult comedy Mystery Men, starring Ben Stiller, Greg Kinnear, Jeffrey Rush, William H. Macy, and Janine Garofalo. A lot of other famous people in this movie. Yes. Um, don't have time for them. I'm sorry. <laughs> probably discuss them vaguely in some shape or form um have you seen this movie uh, this was my first time watching this oh film this was my choice so every time anytime i'm choosing a film and you haven't seen i don't know how well it goes <laughs> i'm i think uh reading the imdb trivia was super enlightening uh looking back on the movie because I found out that one, the guy that directed it in the middle of the movie apparently was like, ugh, after this, I'm going back to directing commercials. This is too much. I'm gonna bring this up again. It's 150 bucks a piece. We each chip in. My cousin knows this guy who knows a publicist. What are we gonna publicize, Roy? The fact that we get our butts kicked a lot? Well, maybe if you didn't smack me in the face with a shovel every time we went out, right, you'd have some now, more wins to break. I'm sorry about that. I just have a tendency to lose my concentration when I've got a salad fork stuck in my rear end. Oh, oh, I get it. So your shovel in his face is my fault. You that threw mean? a spoon at the guy, Jeff. Yeah, what was up with that? Frightfully embarrassed about that. I, I, I thought it was a fork. Hey, ooh, look what I'm doing. Look at that. I'm putting 150 right on the table. Who's in with me? Huh? I don't have 150. Now, do I? If I did, I would plunder my mother's silverware. It's a waste of money. You know who doesn't think it's a waste of money? Little Mr. Captain Amazing. Well, Captain, um, if we had a billionaire like Lance Hunt as our benefactor, yeah, we could spend 150. Mm, that's because Lance Hunt is Captain Amazing. Oh, don't uh, start that again. Lance Hunt wears glasses. Captain Amazing doesn't wear glasses. He takes them off when he transforms. That doesn't make any sense. He wouldn't be able to see. This movie's so weird. And I, like, <laughs> but you have to, like, what's so weird is, like, in context of, like, when it came out and how, you know, prevalent superhero films are today, mm-hmm. it legit was way ahead of its time in terms of, like, this this movie does not take this genre seriously, but it's still like very much, yeah. It, it's still very much is about like real people, which is I think what some of the most successful comic book movies are. Like at the time, we're getting like, I mean, Blade is tremendous, but it's like you know the, what we were getting wasn't exactly it, it, like it, it's. You watch this movie and it feels like a Schumacher's Batman, and they even use sets mm, of Schumacher's yeah. Batman. You know, like we're in that time zone of superhero movies. We have yet to have. An X-Men, a Spider-Man, uh, you know, the Avengers are a pipe dream. It's just yeah. sort of like it's, it's a lot of camp. And this was like it weirdly is like as campy and weird as it is. This cast really kind of makes this movie pretty fun in moments. And it it's not perfect. But like I think that more than anything is why I want to talk about this is because there's a lot of fucking famous people doing weird stuff. You know, mm-hmm. they just had a lot of money to do weird stuff. Yes. It's kind of amazing how much money they had because, like, there was something in the trivia about how Janine Garofalo initially turned the role down but decided to join the movie when she found out that William H. Macy and Jeffrey Rush were in it, which I feel like is one of those things where, like, they must have been pinching themselves 
based on who <laughs> actually joined the cast because there's so many people like Ben Stiller in his like comedy prime st- that's still his bread and butter and I mean Hank Azaria is one of those comedic character actors that like of course he's playing like some sort of sidekick Jeffrey Rush is your main villain which truly that man has paid his dues as a character (laughs) actor I felt a little sorry for him William H. Macy is like delivering Shakespearean monologues like (laughs) I don't know how something like this comes together, truly, but I get it that like people were probably showing up just being like, well, I mean, I like all of these people. So here, here we go, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and we'll we'll get into it uh, in a sec, but it, it feels like one of these things where there was a really funny script and everyone boarded it. And by the time it came out, it was something completely different than what other people, what the people had. Mm-hmm. you know, thought it was going to be. I don't know. Um, but there's there's a lot to kind of talk about. But, but um, why don't we why don't we say hi to people? I feel like it's been a while. I, last time we chatted was in like January and I made a promise that we would be around. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, very busy. Um, I mean, we are still around. We did not die. Yes, we are still around. Welcome to Rebooted. I am Brian Flynn, and with me, as always, although via remote this week, is Kenna Trent. Kenna, how are you? Um, I'm doing good. I probably sound like I am a little bit sick, and that is because I have been. So... (laughs) So, nothing like a... (laughs) I mean, the nothing one, like list, nothing like an audio medium being recorded <laughs> while you're well while your yeah. nose is stuffed up. Wanted to get this pod in because uh it's like the first down like free time I've had in a while because of you know, we've just moved and so everything's just been nuts. But um yeah, so Ken and I are gonna take a classic Hollywood film this week uh no none more classic than mystery men and uh (laughs) recast it as if it was to be remade today in 2022 but before we do that we generally like to talk about some reboot news of which we don't have much but a little little movie called top gun maverick came out recently and uh i think we talked about this years ago when it first popped up in the trades and now that it is out i figured we would talk about it mm-hmm. um what did you think of top gun maverick i think uh, i first of all i loved it and am a little as much as i loved it a little surprised at that it is like the best reviewed movie of the year <laughs> um because i can't figure out if the movie is that good or if we just needed this and it's like satisfying something in our collective consciousness so deeply that it's just undeniable. Like I have not talked to a person who was like, eh, didn't care for it. No, it's a genuine blockbuster. And I, I don't, 
I don't know how we got there, but Kenna, here we are. Kenna, you're just gest- you're gesturing in a, in a world that <laughs> makes like in a way that makes me realize that you were so you were so confounded that Tom Cruise <laughs> has made maybe one of the best movies I've seen in like five years. It is so <laughs> well done, and it's better than the first movie. That's the the funny thing about Top Gun mm-hmm. is if you rewatch the original movie. It is almost a parody of itself at this point. What's your problem, Kazansky? You're everyone's problem. That's because every time you go up in the air, you're unsafe. I don't like you because you're dangerous. That's right. Nice, man. I am dangerous. Everyone sort of, you know, talks about like the volleyball scene, the kind of like homosexual innuendo between Iceman and Maverick and like, you know... the 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 soundtrack the kind of like um you know machismo that like is really kind of oozing off of this movie is is like a friend of mine called it like it's she didn't call it soft but it was it was like it's like it's it's like being it's like a big hug the whole thing is like you're waiting Mm -hmm. for these two men to hug over you know, a lost loved one and it works. You're like, Oh my God, like this is like really kind of touching in a, in a war movie. Well, not really a war movie, but like, a in a military industrial complex, almost propaganda movie. Like it's right. hundred <laughs> percent. So well done. They did such a great job. And I'm, and I'm, you know, we, Neither of us have seen the new Jurassic Park movie, which is getting raked by reviews. Yeah. Um, and so in a world of like eternal sequels and prequels and reboots, like to have this movie that's been anticipated for so long, like hit such a home run is pretty incredible. Just to, just I mean, you the, you can take it in so many different ways. Like technically, it's unbelievable. The cast is really well done. The story is a little Star Warsy, if I'm going to be honest. It's a little Star Warsy, like spoiler alert: old man mentors son of dead friend to mm-hmm. fly a ship into a base to hit a very small target and yeah. live. But I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> like, I was fine with all of it. I appreciate that. I feel like like that was something that. I don't quite understand about the original movie is the stakes are so low. It's the mid eighties. They're training for some sort of like combat experience that I don't fully understand what it is and they don't tell us what it is. And so the fact that someone dies in the middle of it is like, why are we doing any of this? (laughs) And so I appreciated that while this is still very vague, like they are on a mission to some snowy country, wherever that may be. (laughs) But at least we understand here's what we're going to do. And here's why we have to like train you to do it. I appreciate that. I just, it's just enough detail for me to be invested and I was. It, it was a very anxiety-inducing film. I was on the edge of my seat. I didn't want anybody to get hurt or die. 
people do. Not There's a moment where, okay, so this is a big spoiler of the movie. So if you don't want to listen to this, I suggest just like fast forwarding. But like there was a moment towards the end of that movie where I, I thought that Tom Cruise was going to die. I was like, they're oh, going to kill Tom yeah. Cruise. Yeah. The way that the movie shapes is like he's so racked with guilt over the death mm-hmm. of Goose that he will do anything to save this, this, you know, Goose's son. And you're just like, oh, shit, like he's going to fucking like he's going to just like crash his plane into another plane or like do something like drastic just to like. And the whole and like as soon as that movie. I, I mean, not a lot of sequels get to that place where you're like, are we going to lose the main character mm-hmm. of this franchise? Like, is this what we're watching here? And I thought that was just fucking awesome. You know, like, yeah, yeah. A, a plus. I don't know. That's, that was that's the review. Like a plus. A I mean, plus. I could have used just a, a skosh more Kenny Loggins, but that <laughs> is the case with literally any film I watch. So maybe it's maybe I should just appreciate the little bit of danger zone we got at the beginning. All right. Um, let's get into our reboot. You ready to talk about this movie? Yeah, let's do it. Right, guys, this is a reboot of Mystery Men. Sometimes the true hero is the one with the courage to run away. I like the way this man thinks. Let's run. We can't run. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's been established that we can run. This is egg salad. It's loaded with cholesterol. The wife won't even let me touch it. Hardly seems to matter now. Chances are we're already dead. Amazing is gone. No use waiting for the cavalry, because as of this moment, the cavalry is us. Oh, yeah, but I don't want to get fraculated. Psycho-fraculated. Still get fraculated. This is our fight, whether we like it or not. Just we few. We're not your classic superheroes. We're not the favorites. We're the other guys. We're the guys nobody ever bets on. But I'll tell you what I think. I think you and that ball of yours have an appointment that you've got to keep. Invisible boy, I think it's time you were seen. Sphinx, you have trained us well. And Dr. Heller, you might just have given us the edge we need. And Spleen, I don't want to stand behind you, but I'll fight beside you with pride. Jeff, you've got a rare and beautiful gift. The city needs you tonight. And Roy, in all the years I've known you, I've never seen you walk away from a fight. Why, you lifted a city bus once, man. I think you've got what it takes to handle Casanova. We're all in over our heads, and we know it. But if we take on this fight, those of us who survive it will forever after show our scars with pride and say, that's right, I was there. I fought the good fight. So what do you say? Do we all gather together and go kick some Casanova butt? Or do I eat this sandwich? I say, what the fuck? Let's do it. Who do you think at the time of this movie was made? Who do you think had the biggest like comedy pull? Because like Stiller was on the come up. Janine Garofalo was on the come up. And they had they, they had done things before together and were very famous. But like Hank Azaria was like earning Simpsons money. Mm-hmm. He's been in a lot of like prestigious films. And then, like, Paul Rubens was, like, a comedy 
God for like mm-hmm. eight years. I wonder like if I, I really do kind of want to know like what the squabble of like what is funny and what is not amongst these people because they are like disparate comedians. Is it obvious that it's Ben? Like, who do you think is the, was like the biggest comedic talent in this movie? The biggest comedic talent? That's a good question. I mean, I think as far as like, he's not just like the star of this movie. I think he's just probably more of a household name. It's Ben Stiller. I would say the person maybe persons who would take a different comedic stance to what they're doing would be Paul Rubens and Hank Azaria who are playing full out crazy characters like Hank Azaria is doing like a whole voice and Paul Rubens is also doing like a full voice (laughs) he's like a walking fart machine so i'm sure that like they're all looking at him like what is this for real like and that's and that's lowbrow humor like your character is fart jokes so there has like i bet there were people in the cast who were like that is not what we're doing (laughs) um mystery men Loosely based on Bob Burden's Flaming Carrot comics, uh, was directed by Kinka Usher, director of such commercials as the Got Milk ad and the Taco Bell Chihuahua series. Huge. Um, Huge commercial director who never directed another feature film after this because the experience apparently was so horrible, he bailed. He finally had achieved his, maybe it was his dream. He finally achieved what some would consider the apex of Hollywood, director, big budget, blockbuster film. And he was like, this is horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Out. No thanks. Um, Stars Ben Stiller as Mr. Furious, Greg Kinnear as Captain Amazing, Jeffrey Rush as Casanova Frankenstein, William H. Macy as the shoveler Academy nominated (laughs) at the time. I don't remember if he won, but he, you know, Academy at least nominated William H. Macy, Janine Garofalo as the bowler. Um, I'm sorry. William H. Macy as the shoveler and Janine Garofalo as the bowler. This movie also stars Cal from Keenan and Cal. I forget his last name. Thompson. Cal. Kel. Kel Mitchell. Kel Mitchell. Keenan Thompson, Kel Mitchell, um, <laughs> Hank Azaria, Paul Rubens, Tom Waits, with cameos from Dane Cook, um, Artie Lang, Michael Bay, Michael Bay, <laughs> Forlani's in this movie, 90s darling Claire Forlani. Uh, it's just a really strange. It's a very strange movie made at a very strange time about a very strange offbeat comic book. Um, I, 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 it was tricky. I honestly, I'm going to be honest. I, I had trouble kind of figuring out like, what is this movie like today? You know, mm-hmm. like 
who 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 are people of this caliber that would do something so ridiculous? And and <laughs> I, it, I think what's also tricky is that like the saturation of superhero movies and yeah. sci-fi movies have made it very difficult to pick people that feel like fresh and new. Everybody is a superhero at this point. Yeah. You have to go like way down the list when it's like big name actors to find someone who is not currently playing a superhero. Yeah. I, and I think I just had to throw in the towel on a lot of my picks and just be like, I have to pick some of these people again because they, it, it's what the character is and I see them as that as such. So hopefully rearranging them in a little bit uh, in a, maybe helped to do something new and different, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, I actually think I'd watch that movie if it was like a bunch of former superheroes playing slightly more ridiculous, less known superheroes in a com. I watch that. So well, I, I hope so, because I guess I'll just get into my pick um, for Mr. Furious. Um, I weirdly think this is one of Ben Stiller's more iconic roles. And I don't know why. That's saying a lot, like behind yeah. like Zoolander and like Along Came Polly and his like Wes Anderson stuff. I, I don't know why Mystery Men, for me at least, sticks out mm-hmm. as like maybe because it's like one of the earlier Ben Stiller movies that I remember watching. But um I thought it would be great to cast a little bit against type for some for a character named Mr. Furious and okay. still pick an actor that like everyone loves and is very funny, but might be the last person you think for this kind of thing. Um, and I've been waiting to cast this person for a really long time. And hopefully I didn't waste him here. Boy, I picked Daniel Radcliffe. I don't think that's ridiculous at all because I also had him on my list. Really? Like, I 100% see what you're saying because that was like an off the top of my head, like, okay, who could I possibly see doing this? And so I threw him in there because I was like, yeah, like he's, he's working on his comedy chops and... I think could because like so much of what we see Mr. Furious do is not do what he says his actual superpower in quotes is. And so we spend the whole time being like, just can he do anything? <laughs> um, and I, I don't know. I think you're right. I can a hundred percent see him having that sort of like weird superhero impotence until he like discovers his true nature. Morning, Sally. You're late. Yes, I know. I was up all night trying to defend the city from evil, but I'm sure you don't really care about that. We're Sergeant Nine. It's nine twenty-five. Ooh, so I guess all the junk's probably ruined by now. Hey, sucker! What are you gonna tear down that jeep like I told you to? Okay, I thought we went through this yesterday. That old jeep is actually an armored car of some type. It was meant to withstand bombs. I can't just rip it apart with a crowbar. Just junk it. Well, maybe if you gave me the proper tools, I could... Junk it! All right, you know what? I'm, I'm willing to have this discussion with you, but I think we should deal with it like two people who respect... I want it junked. Okay. Right now, I'm kind of like a powder keg, and you're the match. 
If you tell me to junk it one more time. Junk it now! I don't know anyone who doesn't know who Daniel Radcliffe is, but if you don't know who he is, he's Harry Potter. One of the most famous child actors <laughs> who has been doing like really crazy roles. Like it's for someone who is like embedded in an iconic, and he's not a superhero, but like an iconic like hero of a generation has since made some really insane shit. Mm-hmm. Um, Swiss Army Man, Guns Akimbo. Uh, he's playing Weird Al in the Weird Al biopic, which I'm very excited for. Mm-hmm. But like, he also has been like waiting in the comedic waters too. Like, he um, was just in the Lost City, which I did not enjoy, but I thought he was very, still very funny. Like, he's in Kimmy Schmidt. He's in that. Um, what's that TBS show? Um, miracle workers miracle workers like he has such a range that I felt like for this role it would be really fun to see you know um, Daniel Radcliffe who is of a smaller stature you know playing this like you know boiling rageful guy who just wants to be you know he wants to be a superhero he really wants to be taken seriously and go through this sort of emotional ride with this guy who just really does it. Like he doesn't really know how to be himself until mm-hmm. like the end. Um, I just thought it would be really fun to see him kind of, you know, and, and, and bounce around other people. Like, you know, when he says his name is Mr. Furious, like when he's trying to win the affection of the waitress, he's like, I'm Mr. Furious. And like, she, she just completely sees right through him. And is just like, you don't look, I'm not scared of you in any way. Like, yeah. I'm not, you don't look at really that angry. So um, that was my pick. I'm glad it didn't, you know, cause too much of a hubbub, but I don't know. <laughs> it, I was kind of like, I don't know. I don't know about this. No, I love it. I think it's great. I a hundred percent. I think, I think that's a great sample scene. The scene where he's like, stays back at the diner and is like trying to make some sort of impression on Claire Forlani, who is literally like, I don't care or know who you are. So bye. Um, Cause I think there is a sort of like suaveness to him where you're like, yeah, he's really trying it, but you come off like such an idiot because <laughs> nobody knows who you are. Um, okay, yeah, so for my Mr. Furious, I picked, uh, Dylan O'Brien. Oh, nice. I feel like he, he was, like, injured, I think, for a while and took some space, and I think he is someone who could easily slide into a superhero movie, um, but I, I like this for him because I think he keeps getting cast in, like, dramatic things when he's kind of a comedy guy and I, I I like this for him the sort of like fumbling superhero who doesn't know his true strengths like I want to see him have that moment where he's like it, everything is worthless and we're gonna fail and I'm not really who I say I am and like <laughs> That's my favorite part. It's just like, I am not angry. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing here. And they're just like insulting him to his face. You're a very furious man. Do you understand that? No. no? Well, you got a lot to be furious about, and I'll tell you why. You're not well-liked, 
You're, uh, you're abrasive and off-putting. You try and say pithy things, but your wit is a hindrance, and so therefore nothing is provocative. It's just mixed metaphors. Now, doesn't that make you angry? Does it infuriate you? No! Well, it should. Are you angry? Come on, man! Your penmanship is atrocious. You dress in the manner of a male prostitute. Get real! I have no powers! I have no powers whatsoever! I like this pick. He's very talented and has, like, a, you know, has been a teen actor for a very long time or like a child actor, teen actor now kind of entering more like a more adult space. Um, I haven't seen a lot of comedy from him, so it'd be funny to see him like in an ensemble of other like comedic actors playing just like such a caricature. Not, not that the character character is a character, but like the world is like very heightened and like, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's a city of superheroes, right? So I Champion like Champion City. Champion City. <laughs> Which looks like Schumacher's Gotham. It really just looks like every like every 90s sort of like sci generic sci-fi kind of place. Um all right, let's move on to Captain Amazing played by Greg Kinnear. Um who he hadn't done um I can't hardly wait. What is the movie he was nominated for an Oscar with uh, Jack Nicholson? As good as it gets. When was that? Was that around this time? 97. It was like two years yeah. before this. So weird. <laughs> there was some mysterious force drawing actors to this movie. I'm just Googling William H. Macy's awards because I want to know if he was also a nominee during this time. Yeah, 97, Best Supporting Actor, Fargo. So you have two two Academy-nominated actors in this movie. Jeffrey Rush. Let's let's see what Jeffrey is. This is so off the rails here. Um, But why don't we talk about Captain, Captain Amazing while I look this up? Um, yes, Captain Amazing, who, having watched this now, it does make me wonder if they drew inspiration from him when creating the look for, um, Homelander on the boys, because they look the same. (laughs) Um, very clean cut American, like blonde, blue eyed boy you know what I mean? like homegrown <laughs> homegrown true americana um gregory rush was an academy award winner <laughs> when this movie was made for the movie shine uh, I, I don't know man holy I shit um yeah i you know it's it's hard to not draw parallels between this movie and the boys Currently, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like third season. You know, I I I agree that like Greg Kinnear, Greg Kinnear's a little softer than Homelander. Like, what I really like about this character is, oh yeah, I don't know why. Maybe I, like I I filled in a backstory in my mind about Captain Amazing, and I don't know if that's just like because you know of our writers' brains sort of fill in things, or if like. Kinnear just did a great job with his character, but like he plays it in such a way that it's like he's a person who 
probably started out being a very noble person mm-hmm. and has now like gone so far around the other way that like he's lost his way. And he like he's like a he's like an a, like an addict for being heroic. And now he like that yeah. he can't get a hit because there's no there's no bad guys anymore. So I don't know. I really like Gregory uh Gregory Jeffrey. <laughs> Jesus. I'm having a stroke. Greg Greg Kinnear. Really whose name yeah. whose name could be uh, might be Gregory, but but it's uh, yeah. Um, um no, I really like Greg Kinnear in this in this role a lot. And I think it's uh, like he plays it. I want to know, like, there's this piece of trivia about how him and Ben Stiller got into like some argument where Ben Stiller almost left the movie. <laughs> and I want to know what argument possibly could have erupted on the set of Mystery Men for them to like really go at it. That's why I wonder if Ben Stiller was the center of a lot of the issues. If like Hank Azaria is talking about how like the, com- the actors got into arguments about the comedic tone and is being nice by not like calling anybody out. But then the reveal that it's like, Oh, and there was also this other argument between these two. I'm like, Hmm. Mayhaps it was him starting a whole bunch of arguments, but uh, well, Ben was uh, Ben Stiller was supposed. They offered him to star and direct in it, and he was like, "I don't want to direct like a huge movie." And then was convinced (laughs) by Janine Garofalo to come back and just be in it. So there must have been something in his mind of like they they literally offered me this movie and i turned it down like i mm. i'm better than this i know what i'm talking about like people should listen to me and then maybe that maybe that's where the friction came from or maybe it was just i don't know who knows what it was but i tried to google it there there's no it's like the world's biggest mystery i i would guys where is the oral history on mystery men we got to know the truth from behind the scenes. Um, Who did you pick? Yes. So I also, I feel like when I was watching and you get the sort of the backstory they give you is that Captain Amazing put Casanova Frankenstein in jail like 20 years before. And so I feel like thinking along that timeline, I was like, okay, I want Captain Amazing and Casanova Frankenstein (laughs) I feel insane saying that name out loud. <laughs> Should be around the same age. Like they started when they're they're like fighting when they're two young guys. And at this point in the story, now they're a little bit older and maybe just like out of the loop. And that's where some of this grief is like. Captain Amazing's doing stuff for the money because he's got bills to pay. Um, And so there isn't very, but like back in the day when he would have put like his supervillains in jail, it was like, that was for the love of justice or something like that. Amazing triumphs in a nursing home. That's great copy, Vic. Look, I'm a publicist, not a magician. You want big news, you have to have big fights. A superhero needs a supervillain, and thanks to you, we've got none left. Then get the... Deathman. Deathman is dead. 
Okay, Father Doom. Life without parole. Apocalypto's doing 50 years, Armagesmo's in exile, Baron Von Chaos got the chair. Really? Casanova Frankenstein is locked up in a nut house. Casanova Frankenstein. Now there was a supervillain. He's got those eyes, you know. So I can't do it, but. So anyway, uh, for my Captain Amazing, I wanted to pick somebody maybe a little older, even though it feels crazy to say that because this person is still looking amazing. I picked one of my favorites, Orlando Bloom. Nice. I thought about him for this movie. I didn't think of him for Captain Amazing, but I think that's I think that's really fun. I I also like it. I, I was trying to think of like a couple British actors to play Captain Amazing because I did. I thought it was I ultimately didn't, but I I thought it would be fun commentary to just be like, yeah, all superheroes are British. So he should be <laughs> Spider-Man's British, Batman's British, Superman's British, Thor's Australian. No superheroes are American. Uh, so I I like that pick. Yeah, I, I I'm trying to remember like what I recently watched with him. Not recently, but like some of maybe Orlando Bloom's like later work where he's a bit more comedic. Did I see him in like a weird music video recently? What? Yeah, what did I see him in? Oh god, I'm like the worst today. I get, my my memory is just so shot. Um. Let's see. Was it like a friends reunion? I don't remember, but like it would be nice to see Orlando Bloom in the more sort of sort of like uh, you know satirical kind of role. You know, he's supposed to be like this charming good doer, like you know hero, and instead he's like this vapid, uh, money grubbing kind of just like corporate piece of shit um done did it (laughs) who you got um i think my pick here a couple of my picks here i'm worried are a little recency bias but um i thought it'd be fun because i was thinking about like greg kinnear and how he started as a comedian and then became sort of a serious actor and uh so i i thought it'd be funny uh almost in like a meta way to cast another comedian who's now getting a little bit more shine and in mainstream space and who recently was in a superhero movie, which was like one of the worst superhero movies I think I've ever seen, but he got into so much. He worked out so much and literally got into like such great shape. And then he didn't, I I feel like we didn't even, it wasn't even really mentioned, but I picked Kamel Nanjiani as captain amazing because Mm. I thought it would just be really funny to just be like, yeah, we're going to pick this comedian who got so shredded to play this <laughs> other superhero. And now he's like so ripped that uh, <laughs> he's going to play a superhero who's now uh, sold out. So that was my that was my thinking. Was it genius? Probably. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I love Kumail. And I think it's really interesting <laughs> because... I feel like people didn't talk about him necessarily in the movie that much, but Twitter was ablaze mm-hmm. with comments about Kumail selling his body to the Marvel universe. <laughs> and 
it's so fascinating to me because there are plenty of characters and sort of randomly that I think are allowed in superhero movies to just like be themselves. So it kind of feels like a choice. (coughs) Pardon me. I'm not dying. Um, It felt like a choice of his maybe to be like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get all ripped up. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to do the Marvel regime since they'll pay for it. And yeah, why not? Like he should exclusively be playing meatheads right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying is like, he's gotten bigger since those like photos came up before Eternals is like, look how like that article he wrote. It was like, I know why I never looked like this. Like, I'm glad I do look like this, but I know why I've never looked like this. Like, it's really uh-huh. fucking hard to look like this. I think it's, I agree. Like, he should be out, he should be in, like, action movies now. Like, he just, yeah. he showed up in, like, an episode of Obi-Wan, which is cool and all, but, like, why did he work out so hard? <laughs> like, we saw Eternals. He's never shirtless. No. He wears, <laughs> he wears a rubber costume for most of it. If Kamel Nanjiani is going to do like a thousand burpees to <laughs> play a superhero, I want to see him be a superhero. I want him to like right. wear a fucking like skin tight uniform so I can like, you know, we can all appreciate it. And I think this is where really uh, that should happen. Um, I think that that's so true. Like, I just, I, just, I just want to see the contour of Kamel Nanjiani. <laughs> the big but, but it's also one of those things that makes you question, like, why anybody does it in the first place. Because when you think about like superhero movies sort of before they became what Marvel made them as a studio. Like I, there was a time where you could be soft. You could be, you could just be like lean. You didn't have to get all shredded to death. Like it's a choice, especially because you know that there are people who you you know get told you are going to be shirtless. We got to do the like fan service, and so it, it it must have been a personal choice. And I think he should be rewarded for it. Like given the fact that everybody and their mother and their grandmother are now part of like the Fast and Furious universe, why not throw Kumail in? That's a great idea. A hundred percent. Like, let him stand next to fat Vin Diesel, <laughs> like wearing a tank top like the rest of them. And, you know, <laughs> let him fucking shine. Let him be a ripped comedic actor. Yeah. In, in our humble opinion, there aren't enough <laughs> ripped comedic <laughs> actors. All right, let's move on to Casanova Frankenstein, uh, which the writer says that the only reason the movie studio um, picked 
Casanova Frankenstein was because of the name. Out of all the villain, the weird villains that the Flaming Carrot comics had, mm-hmm. they chose that specifically again on the name. And I have to say, yes. Is there a better name in cinema history? I don't think so. Casanova, <laughs> played by Jeffrey Rush. Um, again, this is hard to cast. Like when a character pops up like this, it sort of just screams like he's weird and evil. Like it's tricky to find mm-hmm. that nowadays. Um, I admit this choice is not my favorite. I okay. I actively was trying to not pick them. But the more I thought about it, you know what? I'm not going to pick them. I'm going <gasps> to change it right now. I'm a what? It just oh makes gosh. it just makes it it's too it makes too much sense and I don't Okay. Don't like it. Should I even say who I was going to pick? I what, mean, what, I, what I'm curious, here? but um, we don't have to put it in the episode. Okay. Right now, I'm going to flip it. I'm going to make I'm making a call, uh, a last second call. Okay. The buck stops here. <laughs> For Casanova Frankenstein, I choose Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Okay. And wow. here's here's my reasoning. Um, I like how y- your idea that it's like Captain Amazing um, and Casanova Frankenstein are like kind of the old, the OGs, right? They've mm-hmm. they've fought a lot. There have been battles here and there. I was just like, I, I, I kind of kept seeing the mystery men as like people who haven't gotten their shine yet a little bit, like people who haven't been recognized. Mm-hmm. And I thought it'd be fun if Casanova Frankenstein was someone who like had been overlooked. And so Captain Amazing is like, I'm going to, I'm going to like release this, this person mm-hmm. and I'm going to like kind of, um, inflate them a little bit maybe even help them a bit and then gets completely smoked because mm-hmm. he underestimates this person and i and i just think like she is such a funny person and very intelligent and i think Casanova frankenstein is like one of those you know like a true comic book villain is like they're very intelligent i know his, like the whole thing is like he has a a psycho fractor machine. Like the story doesn't matter, but like as a villain of a movie, you want, you know, she stands out as like very intelligent and she's very funny. And I think would be like really fun to see like a group of heroes have to like take down. Now, would you keep, would you keep the story detail that Casanova Frankenstein loves disco? You've been locked up for 20 years, Casanova. A lot of things have changed since then. It must have been hard for you, Tony, the way times and styles have changed. Do you hear the people saying that disco is dead? Disco is not dead! Disco is life! Yes, Tony, that is the passion. I remember. Stick with me, Tony. And you will dance again. And I rules this town. Um, I wouldn't, and here's why. <laughs> Disco has made a somewhat of a comeback in recent years. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's as funny of a joke as it was in the 90s of like, oh, Disco sucks. Everyone hates Disco. He's so passe. He's like, 
like his style is it, like it, it. I mean, is that funny? I, I don't think I don't like I don't think it. I That does make me wonder, like, what the 2022 version of like. Is is that thing that's so out of style? It would be like embarrassing mm-hmm. to then be like, this is my this is my gang of people dressed heavily in polyester bell-bottom clothing. Well, I mean, would you? Is that like something that you like would hold on to? I do think it's interesting to have a detail where like his lair is not just like this castle he lives in. There's also like the disco room, which is his fortress for when that we see when like the mystery men finally show up, like he locks himself in there and there's like, like, I do think it's interesting, but now I'm just stubbed as to, because if you think about it, this movie was made in 1999, 20 years before that it was, it was the seventies. So 20 years ago, we're talking like Y2K but that's popular again. <laughs> so like, what is not, what is like, maybe like the eighties, something from the eighties. Anyway, Who did um, you pick? I picked for my Casanova Frankenstein, David Harbor and. Oh, <laughs> um, your reaction was very nonplussed. No, I, I wasn't expecting that. I, I I really like that, especially after watching him in Black Widow. Again, it's so hard to pick people who haven't been in. Yeah, I in think I, this felt instinctive because I was like, I like because may, and maybe this is just because this is how we see him in Black Widow. The sort of like forgotten superhero, like coming back into their like full power thinking of it like that. I just think there is something that can be so funny and out of touch. And still, I think maybe surprise us with how like intelligent the design of their whole plan is. Um, Yeah. I just, I think this, this felt very like instinctive. I was just like, you know who would be great in this movie? David Harbour. I think what's great about like he David Harbour is like weirdly a a really incredible character actor. Mhm. Um he's a little loopy. Like I don't know if you ever like <laughs> interviews with him. He seems he seems like a kind of guy who is a little wild, which I think is important. So I can totally mm-hmm. see him kind of taking on this challenge of like, I'm going to be a criminal mastermind in a very heightened kind of way. Um, so I, I like the pick. I, I was just, you know, I wasn't expecting him to pop up, but I do, I do like it. I also just had a brainwave about what Casanova Frankenstein's um, personality could be. And I think part of this is because, it feels like his name should mean something more than just it's a crazy name. So he's named Casanova, which feels like it implicates that he is some sort of a ladies man. His name is also Frankenstein. So, I mean, maybe, maybe we get that and that he is like a scientist, 
Because Frankenstein, say it with me, is not the monster. Frankenstein is the doctor. Is the doctor. Um, Frankenstein. So here's what I'm thinking. Do you remember in the early 2000s when pickup culture was a thing? Oh, God. (laughs) Do you remember the way, I don't know if you ever watched the show, The Pickup Artist, starring Mystery, who was the guy who taught men how to pick up women, and it was awful. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google a quick picture, because I actually think that would be perfect. That's so funny. Yeah, and that show I came from a book called The Game, which was very popular in my college at the time of like Oh boy. How to nega woman, how to like peacock, how to uh basically it it was oh, so predatory. It was like neg and then isolate. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, it's terribly worth down and then isolate her to gain and so she demands your approval. It's like, oh my god! I do think that's fucking hilarious, though. I think, I think that's it. I that's think good. that's, I think that's what we're going for. All right, let's move on to the shoveler played by William H Macy. <laughs> like, that's also what hung me up on this. Is like <laughs> William H Macy is in this movie. Um, who did you pick? Um, I took this note. First, I want to mention there's a part in the diner where William H. Macy orders a meatball sub with mayo. And that's disgusting. (laughs) I think it's a character thing where he always eats things with mayonnaise because like the egg salad, salad, but like I think it's a nod to him just being like suburban dad. (laughs) But I could be wrong. Um. Which he is. Jennifer Lewis is his wife. Another great actor cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I wanted to pick someone for the shoveler who is funny and maybe a bit dry. Great to watch. I picked Tyler James Williams. And I feel like he is um, very much in the in the mix right now uh, because he's been on Abbott Elementary. If you have not watched Abbott Elementary, you gotta do it. It is so fun. Um, And I just, I can, I, I think watching that, I'm like, oh, he's very funny and very like, can be very deadpan, uh, which I think plays well into this character because he's like, I don't know, someone who doesn't necessarily always show his passion but really wants this for himself and his friends he's literally giving up his family to do this the city's in peril lucille we're the best hope they've got eddie please don't start i don't expect you to believe me i just came by to tell you that i love you tell the kids i love them and now Goodbye. Goodbye, Eddie. I won't be here when you come home. Well, that's a chance I'm going to have to take. Otherwise, there may not be a home to come back to. Yeah, I don't know. I like this. I, I really like him. He's he's a little younger than what I thought the shoveler would be, but he was definitely someone I thought about. I I 
just recently had started Abbott Elementary. And so I know him um, somewhat well. And I do think that he is really funny and would be really good at this. Um, that's weird. Yeah, he he did pop up in my mind, but I guess like I had William H. Macy stuck in my brain so hard <laughs> that I was like, I was just like, I didn't even look at anyone that was younger than 35. I was like, no, they have to be like, <laughs> they had to be like a dad. Um, But I think that's fun. I think that's really fun. I'm trying to remember like your whole, so who did you pick as Mr. Furious? Dylan O'Brien. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's really fun. Um, I skewed older, as I just okay. mentioned. Um, I, I here's the thing about the shoveler. I I do think that like in this crowd of weirdness, it is nice to have actors in here that are maybe at an academy level or a bath <laughs> level to really ground like a lot of choices. Okay. Um, I ended up picking Jeffrey Wright. Um. He was very recently in the fucking Batman. Like he's just in one's <laughs> in a comic book movie. But what I really like about the shoveler is that he's like at his heart, the most noble of all of the other heroes. Like he's a dad. Like, yeah, it's like he is a dad who has been called to serve the community in the weirdest way he, you know, possible. Mm-hmm. But like he, he doesn't see it as ridiculous. He's like, I'm here to do my best. And I'm here to like, just, stand tall and protect the city and um i think what that's why where when this movie works that's when this movie works best is when you realize like these are just like you know average people trying to do something and they're Mm -hmm. they do it very poorly but like their heart is so into it that you're like yeah i'm rooting for these guys and i think jeffrey wright can be so dour at times that like when he sometimes when he's able to like um kind of be a little bolder and be a little more broader it's kind of fun to see because he's always so like sharp and like and st- like not stone faced but he's very like this is this and this is happening this is what's happening but like for him to play something a little more like yeah, for him to stretch a bit, I thought would be really fun in this in this context. Yeah, I 100% agree. Because I think I almost like using his dramatic actor intensity to, to be that sort of like, he's the serious... Like, he is a superhero. Like, this is not a game for him type of thing. Like, that is kind of something that this movie is lacking, is, like, maybe, like, an earnestness from any of the characters that feels like, oh, like, this person is going to die before they let go of the dream. (laughs) And I could see him doing that. Yeah, I, I I think it's like that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to the bowler played by Janine Garofalo. 
Um, this movie really, I, this movie really to me doesn't start until she shows up. Like, okay, when she joins the group, it really changes like the dynamic of the movie in such a like amazing way to have this like really funny female voice just mm-hmm. like cut these men down. <laughs> like, I do love her like constant rebukes from the spleen. Like, he really thinks he has a shot, and she's just like, no, no, <laughs> no, no, not ever like um as it i just think it's funny like i don't know why subconsciously i feel like as a the character who least wants to be there she's the actress who kind of does want to be there like in all of the trivia she's like i got it got paid really well i loved working on this film <laughs> it paid really well and i just sat around all day they didn't really know what they were doing but it was a great check and it was it was super fun like I just really, I thought that was great. Um, but in terms of the character, I really love this like inconvenienced Avenger. Mm-hmm. My favorite part is after they defeated Casanova Frankenstein and like the, mach- the, the frackers destroyed. And she just looks at the dead skull of her dad <laughs> stuck in this bowling ball. And she's just like, all right, deal's a deal. I'm going back to grad school now. Like I just... <laughs> I just love the, that whole vibe of just like, I'm not here really for me. It's just something yeah. I got to do. And then once I'm done, I can move on. Oh, blimey, miss. Don't tell us you're the bonus daughter. Seem to remember there being a little controversy around his death. That's right. The police said it was an accident. He'd come home late one night and fell down an elevator shaft onto some bullets. You know, I've always suspected a beautiful foul play. As have I. So now daddy's little girl's all grown up? Looking for a little revenge, is that it? Yeah, that is it. Is there a problem with that? Why don't you tell me? I don't know. You tell me. Why don't you tell me? 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 I end up picking Stephanie... I don't know how to pronounce this. Hugh? Hugh? From Everything, Everywhere, All at Once? H-S-U. But I just think she's, like, really fun and very, like gritty and uh very much like angry like in that movie she you know she plays like a very like um not emotionally troubled but she's you know she's an average young adult struggling with her parents and i just thought like she was really fun and um that was basically it that's the only reason I, i i just saw her as a great addition to the team she's super great between she's having a great year between everything everywhere and becoming like a larger part of the marvelous mrs mazel like she's just been I, like i thought in, you were gonna say the marvel cinematic universe and i was gonna throw my <laughs> microphone i was like what what is she in god damn it um i like she's just been in the collective consciousness and has become someone that I'm like, I would just love to see her do more stuff. So absolutely. I think she brings the sort of, um, the sort of dryness that this character needs to be the most effective. Um, mm-hmm. Cause that's why we love her. We love her because she's, she's the woman on the team and <laughs> that's, Sort of an insult, I guess, but whatever. <laughs> um, 
So for my bowler, I picked Selena Gomez. Hmm. For this character, I think it's a brilliant pick. I think it's it's so like her just like she is she would play this so well as someone who's just like above all of this nonsense. Like I love what I love about the bowler is that like it really shines a light on how immature the idea and the concept of superheroes really are. Like yeah. she she's it's it's as annoying if she joined like her dad's elk club. You know what I mean? Like if she had to go right. and be in a bowling league with her dad's buddies. It's basically that vibe. So I think Selena Gomez is like such a great pick and she is very funny. She like she does really well as like the straight man against like Steve Martin and mm-hmm. Mark Short. Um so I think it's a great pick. I I do think you're right. Like she does such a good job at playing the straight man that what's interesting about this movie is that so everybody has some sort of quote unquote power. She legitimately her dad was a superhero. And so his head in this bowling ball is like truly magical. Yeah. And so what's really kind of cool about her, I think, is that she does have a power. Like she has control over this thing. She is the wielder of the ball. And I think there's something really fun about that, that like she's, she rolls up to the auditions and is kind of like, if you're looking for like superhuman abilities, None of you yahoos may have anything, truly, but, like, I got something. And so there is something kind of cool about, like, maybe there being someone who would be able to point that out to them. Yeah, so there are – it's just so weird about this movie is that – does Captain Amazing have powers? Does he just have, like, a jetpack? Oh, he like, does have a jetpack. He doesn't fly. He doesn't like fly around. He's not like super strong. But the there the team has two members that have actual superpowers. The bowler and invisible boy. Like they they literally right. are like defying you know space and physics. Which um, I still don't understand invisible boy. Like are we supposed to think he does have powers? Like he, I think he does have power. Like it's a okay. ga- like the whole thing was written as a gag that um, forget it. Bob, uh, the creator of Mystery Men. I should have. I don't know why I deleted it. Hold on. Bob Burden. Bob Burden basically came up with it on set and wrote it into the script. I'm pretty sure he's the the screenwriter. Um, again, I should have these facts, Brian. It's been a while, guys. I'm not the sharpest, most prepared podcaster. I apologize. <laughs> But yeah, it was just like a gag that they came up with. Like he's not, I don't even think he's in the comic. It's just like a gag he made up. And they were like, you know, in the end he does, we do watch him turn invisible. So. Well, we don't technically watch it because nobody can see it. But I think in the frame he turns invisible, right? No, right? I think he does. I'm invisible. I really do have superpowers. Can you see me? Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Wow. Two hands there, son. Maybe you should put some shorts on or something if you want to keep fighting evil today. Yeah, he turns invisible. What? He turns invisible and his clothes, like, fall off of him. So he also is, like, 
probably has some sort of phasing power. That's wild. I did not. I did not see that happen. <laughs> I was probably looking at my phone. Hundred and twenty percent. Uh, great. All right. Um, I think that's it. That's it for the cast. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a little uh, a little business with Mr. Barry Pepper to get to. So, where does Barry Pepper go? Um, and I know we say that Barry Pepper belongs in every movie. I got to say, he probably doesn't belong in this movie. <laughs> um, I made him the Sphinx, played by Wes Studi, who we didn't even mention was in this movie. Um, it's because uh, there's so many actors. So it's, many actors. It's so hard. So weird. I think... Uh, I think I agree with you about um, him not necessarily needing to be in this movie, but I would make him one of the cops that taunts Mr. Furious. <laughs> I, okay. I, I was like hoping that there was like a commissioner. Oh, you know who he, he could, he could probably have been the publicist or the mm-hmm. like, the, mm-hmm. the like Captain Amazing's manager. I don't know. I, I'll stick with the Sphinx. It's fine. Don't matter. Um, do you have any other notes on this movie? I, I think it's just like a an absolute banana land. I think psychedelic nineties movie. I think for me, in a reboot of this movie, Blue Raja as a character can undergo some changes. Um, and it's not because of his costume; it's because. <laughs> The whole thing about uh, an Indian character, but he's like British because the British had like India was under the control of the British Empire. So, you know, but he's what? not even British at all. There, there's just it's lots of problems wrapped up into a little problem ball, and that can go. So, you're a British man who converted to Islam, sort of like Cat Stevens? No. Until the early part of this century, India was in fact part of the British Empire, whose government there was called the British Raj, after the Hindi word for sovereignty. Furthermore, Wait, the- sorry, sorry. what? Dad, see, no, he's not a commie nor a fruit. Sorry. It's also really weird that it's Hank Azaria's character who, right. for years, <laughs> voiced Apu on The Simpsons, and you know Uh-oh. there was. A, a bit of a hubbub a few years back that they should stop doing that and they stopped doing it so I agree I do think he's very funny in the movie like in the oh, scenes yeah. where like he, you see him at home practicing like monologuing to bad guys and then his mom kind of comes <laughs> in yeah is so it's weird and funny and he, you know mom you're really cheesing me off here like <laughs> but I agree the character is just really weird to like how do we like bring that into the I think that's really funny too now that you mention it there were lots of moments where it felt like they could have gone with profanity and they didn't and I think that that's a really funny detail for a movie like this that like there are so many I think there's like space especially because I feel like I'm used to these sort of like offbeat superhero things being I think very uh, very like rated R and like the boys mm-hmm. is like out of control with this stuff. Like I just started watching the third season 
And some of the stuff that happens in episode one is out of control. But I love the idea that, like, they won't even say, like, kick ass. Like, that's that's not the style of the movie. <laughs> and I think that's really funny. Like, creating those phrases mm-hmm. or, like, using weird slang in place of that. I think that's really funny. I would do that again. That helps it in a, in a, in a way. Would you remake this movie? I'm really torn because I like this idea a lot, but we are so oversaturated with superhero content. I just am not sure that there's space for it. It's exactly what I wrote down. It's like, where does this fit between the suicide squad guardians of the galaxy and the boys? Like Mm-hmm. I, I know that we literally have a podcast about how Hollywood has no original ideas. And I've heard this mm-hmm. several times that like, Oh, when a new idea hits, all Hollywood wants is more of that idea. Yes. But I don't know. I'm like, I just don't like, it just seems limp right now. Mm-hmm. Like it could have been really fun. Like, seven years ago it could have been like it could have been what the boys is now with like less violence and yeah a little more humor but who knows i i i'm i'm sure you know someone's gonna do it i'm i don't know if it's like with the original cast or just the the property in general is somewhere kicking around in someone's development pod so does this ex this like comic book series where does it exist like who would have the rights to this? I don't know. I don't know who owns like a lot of these like pop, right? Comic kind of you know this the like this underground comic independent movement. I don't know who owns it. Be interesting to see who does. Renegade Press, defunct in eighty nine. Hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure the original creator just has the has the rights. Interesting. Also, I am just now having Googled that, seeing what the flaming carrot looks like, and it's weird. It's really yeah. weird. It's a giant. It's a man with a giant carrot for a head. Yeah, it's very strange. And it's on fire. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, guys, that's it for us. Thank you for joining us this week on Rebooted. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please check out our past episodes. Uh, Please hang in there. You know, life is taking us in strange and wild directions, so who knows when we'll be back doing this stuff. Um, But we love doing it, and we hope you guys do too. Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and review. That would just be the nicest. You can also find us on social media at Rebooted Pod everywhere. So it's not even that hard for you to do, for you to look us up and follow us everywhere. So you should probably do that. <laughs> um, speaking of social media, are you on Letterboxd? I am. Oh, shit. We should follow each other on Letterboxd. <laughs> I don't, like, use... I feel like I still don't use it to its full capabilities. Right now, I'm only using it to create a list of all the movies I have watched this year. Oh, well, I've used it to create a list of all the movies we have done on this podcast, so... What? 
Um, I will share that list. Yeah, I don't I don't yes, know please. the levels of it either. Um, but I hope that list is somehow public. So uh, <laughs> you guys can maybe check us out there too. Um, all right, guys. Uh, we will see you next time. Goodbye. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on. Get paid. And all that little Only shooting stars. Somebody wants as good I spare. Some change will cast. I need to get myself away from this place. I said, yep, what a concept. Am I the only one who finds these sayings just a little bit formulaic? If you want to push something down, you have to pull it up. If you want to go left, you have to go right. It's Your temper is very quick, my friend. But until you learn to master your rage... Your rage will become your master? That's what you were going to say, right? Right? Not necessarily.